Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Servants of Grace Theology segment. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, a listener writes in, and they have a great question. And the question is, what is theology? The study of theology is considered by many to be a dry, even an academic, perhaps irrelevant, uh, complicated study. But for those who want to know the Lord, The study of theology is indispensable. The word theology, after all, comes from two Greek words, theos, God, and logos, word. The study of theology, it aims to know definitive statements about God in an accurate, coherent, and relevant way based on the word of God. Doctrine equips people to fulfill their primary purpose, which is to glorify and delight in God through a deep personal knowledge of Him. And so, meaningful communion with God requires and is dependent on a correct knowledge of the Lord. And so, to know God, we need to know Him as He is revealed in His Word. And we need to say that knowledge without devotion, it's cold, dead orthodoxy. Devotion without knowledge is irrational instability. But the true knowledge of God, it includes understanding everything from his viewpoint, from his word. And so theology is simply learning God's thoughts after him. It is learning what God loves and hates and to see, to hear, to think, and to act the way that he does. In fact, we can say that knowing God, knowing how God thinks from his word is the first and the most important step to knowing God. And many would like to think or even make a distinction, perhaps, between being a good person and loving God without an emphasis on doctrine, and they would prefer that. But being a good person um, is radically, it means something radically different than uh, on what someone thinks good is or even what constitutes a person. Loving God will look very different depending on one's conception of God or even of love. The fundamental connections between belief and behavior, between love and knowledge, they demand a rigorous pursuit of truth for those wanting to love God and to glorify Him in all of life. Hebrews uh, 5, 11-6-3, it teaches that a deepening theological understanding equips one to be able to differentiate good from evil, and it exhorts believers to mature in their knowledge of God and His ways. When it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. 
So good theology is based in the belief that the Lord exists. He's personal. He can be known from his word, and he has revealed himself in the word. And so these uh, perspective that I just gave, it motivates theologians, I mean, to devote themselves to the passionate pursuit of knowledge from God's word. And as R.C. Sproul once said, everyone is a theologian. And so everyone, I mean, everyone, yeah, everyone is engaged in the task of theology, and so everyone is a theologian, he said. And yet the word theologian is used almost exclusively for the vocational theologian rather than for anyone earnestly devoted to knowing God. On, on one level, everyone who thinks God about God is a theologian, but a believer who is united to Christ by faith in his name whose life is consumed with knowing the, his Lord, is most certainly a theologian, and theologians are to be committed to biblical truth. Loving God means loving the truth. God is a God of truth. He is truth. In Scripture, all three persons of the Trinity are vitally related to truth. <coughs> and so in light of this relationship between God and truth, it should be no surprise that the great commandment includes loving God with one's mind. Mark 12:30, quoting Deuteronomy 36 says, "And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength." Fully loving God and obeying the great commandment, it requires actively engaging the mind in the pursuit of truth. And the second half of the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, given in Mark 12, 31, requires a commitment to the truth. Love, kindness, and compassion must include profound concern that people understand the truth, since their lives depend on the truth. God meets man's greatest need of relationship with himself through an understanding of the truth. James 1.18 and 1 Peter 1.3 say, Of his own will, God brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Sanctification happens by means of the truth. John 17.17, 17, Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. And so authentic discipleship, that is biblical discipleship, is marked by knowing and obeying the truth. John 8, 31 through 32 says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so loving others involves having a deep desire that they understand the truth. This is the reason the Great Commission has a vital teaching element. Making disciples of Christ involves teaching them to observe all that he has commanded them, as Matthew 28, 20 says. Jesus wants people to understand and obey the truth and define the truth. Failure to care whether or not loved ones understand the truth is a failure to care about their abundant and eternal life. And you might wonder, what is the use of systematic theology? Students preparing for Christian ministry have been known to joke that books of theology are very practical for putting in the trunk of your car to increase traction on slippery winter roads. And yet, seriously, though, we need to understand why we need systematic theology. And a lot of what, a lot of what we think about what systematic theology is, it hinges on what we think about theology as a whole. For some people who are all about just unity for the sake of unity, systematic theology it consists of 
intolerant arguments about religious opinions, a holdover from the days when people killed each other in wars or religion. And so their motto is, doctrine divides while service unites. After all, according to them, who needs theology like that? Arrogant, divisive dogmatism that is always looking for a fight. In fact, pragmatists might regard theology as a bunch of intellectual theories with very little practical relevance for the mission of the church. And so they ask, how can we waste time arguing about the Trinity, why the world needs to hear the gospel? And yet they assume that we can have a gospel without the Trinity. Those who would reduce the whole Christian message to believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, as Acts 16.31 says, must be prepared to explain who this Jesus is, which is the work of Trinitarian theology, by the way. Others would define theology as an attempt to explain mankind's universal feeling of dependence on the divine. Each religion has its point of view, but they fail to grope after the same reality. Systems of theology, according to Freelach Schlockemacher, are just the shell around the kernel of authentic religion, which are the feeling of the infinite and eternal, he says. And if that's the case, then theology is not nearly as important as knowing and experiencing God. And yet others would view theology as a philosophical analysis, as a cultural phenomenon. Paul Tillich said that theology is not about the study of God nor the presentation of supernaturally real truths, he said, but a system built on the ground of the philosophy of religion and embedded within the confessional, universal, religious, historical, and intellectual historical circles. Now, if that's theology, then it seems both irrelevant to ordinary life and impractical for anyone except philosophers to read and understand. And yet, what if we define theology as follows? Theology is the doctrine of living to God by Christ, as uh, Petrus Van Maastricht and Jonathan Edwards said, building on the thought of William Ames. And now William Ames, the Puritan, said men live to God when they live in accord with the will of God to the glory of God and with God working in them. And what could be more practical, refreshing even, than the knowledge of how to orient your entire life to God, the fountain of living waters, as Jeremiah 2.13 says. But wait, someone might even object to even that. That's not theology, that's Christian living. And we can say in response to that, that living to God requires knowing the true God is who the true God is versus all the idols of the world, as we see in 1 John 5, 20-21. The Lord said that the one thing worth boasting in is knowing who the Lord is in Jeremiah 9, 24. And since theology is the doctrine of living to God by Christ, theology centers upon the gospel and even supports it. False doctrine ultimately undermines the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good theology is a solid steel tower that lifts up the antenna of evangelism from which we can broadcast the radio signals of the gospel to the world. And if that's the case, says the objector, then why are books of theology so much more difficult to understand than John 3.16? And we can say a few things about this, that some books of theology aim at people without seminary training, some at pastors and some at scholars. All are necessary. It's like, for example, in medicine, which if you're in medicine, 
forgive me in advance for butchering this term, but you might not know what pulmonary androcythemia is, but you're grateful when you know that a doctor properly diagnoses and even treats your lung cancer. And in the same way, many Christians may not understand the the terms Nestorianism and hypostatic union, but they're grateful when their pastor can refute the false teaching that Jesus and God's Son are two persons because that pastor was trained by seminary uh, seminary professors in sound theology. See, Christianity stands or falls on the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, as we see in Matthew 16, 16. And now, systematic theologians gather the teaching of the whole Bible on every topic it addresses, and they labor to uh, integrate them into a unified body of teaching. This is a precious gift to the body of Christ for Christians long to know God, salvation, and the glorious hope that is in Christ alone. And yes, individual theologians may be divisive, impractical, overly experiential, or even too philosophical. And yet, systematic theology as a discipline, especially in the classic Reformed tradition, is biblical, doctrinal, experiential, and practical, or as uh, Joel Beakey and Paul Smalley in their excellent uh, series. Uh, there's three volumes of it: Reformed Systematic Theology. They are they argue in the series that theology is for the head, the heart, and the hands, meaning that we fill our mind with God's truth, and God's truth then impacts our hearts, and then God's word and God's truth sets us out to practically live out the theology that we believe, meaning that. Theology is not just for our heads. It's not even only for our hearts. It's not just an intellectual dry uh, uh, thing to study. It has implications. It has meaning. It has purpose. Good theology is to fuel our lives as we aim to live rightly before the face of God. So every true Christian needs needs true biblical doctrine in theology. Doctrine grounded in Scripture, experienced in the soul, and made practical in daily Christian living. That's not boring. That's not dry. Uh, Good and helpful systematic theology makes doctrine come alive in the totality of our being. Head, intellectual, heart, experiential, and hands and feet, practical, all grounded in and flowing out of Scripture alone. That's why Luther, Martin Luther said that, that by the Spirit's grace, doctrine was heaven for his soul, because by these things men live, as Isaiah uh, thirty-eight sixteen says. And so we need systematic theology. In fact, we can say one more thing. Let us cherish systematic theology. Let us read it at whatever level we can, and let's pray for those who are aiming to provide good theology, good the- be good theologians, for they labor in the spiritual battle for our eternal good. Well, I want to thank you for listening or even watching this episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. 
You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.